On this week's episode, we'll talk about the use of volunteers in policing, an update on the D.C. City Council criminal code fiasco, new additions to You Can't Make This Stuff Up, and more on this episode of the 1086-108 podcast. coming up nice so uh it's, they're bringing them up in uh, up in line to where they should be right i know that the agency i just retired from um just passed this past october um all deputies or let me rephrase this all sworn personnel received five dollar and then excuse me five dollars an hour increase in pay right that's huge where was it when i was there <laughs> <laughs> wait what we went what seven years without a pay increase yes at one point? Yes. Yeah. It was a long time. Yeah. That's that's rough. And here we are. I remember one year at the, the police department, our pay raise was so low that we got our insurance was increased. And we ended up taking a pay cut because the increase in the insurance was more than what our pay increase was. And that's the way it used to be. Well, that seven years that we were we went without, um, that's what it was to us. And then um, what was that asshole governor we used to have? Which one? The one that looked like a Q-tip. Child? I don't think it was him. Anyway, he's the oh, one. Oh, Chris. Yeah, Charlie Chris. Yeah, the one who can't make up his mind what he wants to do. No. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, remember when he changed the uh, the Florida retirement system and it turned around and we have to pay 3% in? Yeah. And then we weren't getting raises. Right. And that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. The retirement system is a great system. However... If you're going to start taking away from people who depend on that 3%, that's kind of messed up. Right. Absolutely. All right. <coughs> what are we going to talk about next? Uh, you call it. Oh, geez. Let me think. Let's talk about some volunteers in law enforcement. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a big issue. I mean, It has its, its pluses and, and negatives. Well, you know, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Well, you ran that division yeah. for a while, didn't you? Yeah, well, see, that's one of the things. The agency here that I used to work for had one of the largest volunteer programs in the state of Florida at the time, um, over 800 volunteers. So that's actually more volunteers than you had employees, Right. almost twice as many. Uh, so they covered every aspect of what the agency did with the exception of carrying firearms. So... Um, I think the appropriate use of volunteers is where they augment your employee, not replace an employee. Mm -hmm. um, so you you don't take volunteers and say, okay, I got volunteers that can do this job. That way I don't need an employee. That's not what they're there for. Right. Um, so in, in, in the agency, uh, when I oversaw the program, um, we went and looked for ways of not only expanding the use of the volunteers, but to ways that they could uh, further the services provided mm -hmm. by the agency. Mm -hmm. Because there were things that the agency just could not afford to do if it weren't for the volunteers. Right. 
Um, then we would uh, do cooperative efforts with local business, and that would uh, help offset the costs of what they did. Uh, my goal had been to make the volunteer program totally self-sufficient, uh, but I ended up going on other directions, and um, now they're they're doing different things now. But I, I think some law enforcement agencies miss the boat when they don't utilize volunteers. Um, I mean, we used them in fingerprinting. We used them in uh, crime watch. We used them with, uh, we had sewing. We had, you had what? sewing instead of paying for when uniforms went out mm-hmm. um, to you know, get new patches, new stripes, whatever, uh, put on them. We used to send it out and had to pay for that. Right. Well, we created a volunteer section where the uniforms, all the patches and everything were sewn in house and it didn't cost the agency anything. That's awesome. That saved thousands of dollars a year. You got to figure just in that. You got to figure a patch is what? $5 to get it sewn on each, yeah, each. That's crazy. So now not only are you, uh, you know, including the community and getting the ser- services done that you need to do, um, but you're getting it done at a savings to your taxpayer. Right. And when you have it, that's a win-win. You know, I hate to steal Win Dixie's, uh, you know, slogan there, but it, it is. It's a win-win <laughs> when you get a job done for nothing and save the taxpayers money. Right. Um, and, and then we did things like we had volunteer dispatchers. Um, the dispatchers dispatched the crime watch units as opposed to having paid dispatchers. Um, so everything that we did in the volunteer program was a savings, yet it extended the services the agency could provide. Right. Um, and in one year, million dollars. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge, especially in this day and age where you're expected to do more with less. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, volunteers are the way to go for many law enforcement agencies, especially like we mentioned earlier, that are struggling with manpower. Right. So you can focus your sworn people doing the sworn things instead of them having to fill, you know, administrative positions or positions like we used. Uh, we had the uh, PSOs public service officers that would go out and help work traffic crashes right. that didn't involve the issuance of a citation. Um, that saved a police officer, a deputy, from having to go out and spend time at that traffic crash. Mm-hmm. They could go on to a true criminal matter. Right. Um, so that was a savings, and it, and it allowed you to better deploy your, your resources. So I Volunteers should be something that a lot more agencies should look at. I just think of all the areas that they could help. It's amazing. Absolutely. Well, like I said, we used them in every area that didn't include the carrying of a firearm. In some agencies, our agency used to even do that when you had reserve deputies. Right. Um, those were volunteers that came out and augmented your your regular force. Right. So. No, it's a, it's a plus, man. I mean. If agencies aren't jumping on board with that, then they're messing out. Absolutely.
All right, so let's uh, let's get into the you can't make this shit up category. <laughs> I think you got some funny ones for us this week, don't you? I got a couple of good ones. So um, this Good Samaritan had noticed a elderly man being robbed. In the process, he jumps in and then punches the thief in the face. However, the thief gets so upset, he calls the police on the guy to punch him in the face. Oops. Damn. <laughs> Here's another guy. Um, apparently, this guy in Kentucky um, was siphoning gas from a police car and stopped, took a photo of it, himself smiling, police car in the background, and a middle finger. He was so proud of it, he posted it on Facebook. <laughs> he got thousands of views and then got arrested. Yeah, the one view he didn't want. Right. Um, this guy here breaks into a house, um, and in doing so, um, he startled and hides in the crawl space. When law enforcement shows up, they go searching for him. They find him in a house, and they arrest him for burglary. He argues that you cannot be arrested for burglary in the daytime. You can only be arrested for burglary at nighttime. He's watched too much TV. <laughs> Mental giants. Here's another idiot. I'm sorry, guy. Guy. <laughs> uh, during robbing a bank, he walks in. Um, and uh, during the process, the teller asked him if he needs a bag, to which he replies, you're damn right it's a handgun. <laughs> obviously they figured it out that he was deaf so they went ahead and notified law enforcement and they subsequently arrested him the funny part about this is he turns around and sues the bank for abusing his disability oh, I, I don't know what to say to these people I, I don't either just what that's 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 crazy and uh this one is kind of like I don't know, something from maybe Home Alone, the movie. This idiot walks up to a glass front door using a uh, can of paint and tries to break in. So he hurls the can of paint at the front door. It does not break the glass, <laughs> but instead the can comes open and breaks, or excuse me, spills um, paint everywhere. Subsequently, the guy does get inside, and once he's inside, he does what he does, but he also grabs a can of tuna fish and a box of oatmeal. That's a not a good combination. I don't eat that. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm I don't eat that. That's but anyway, nasty. this dipshit as he's taken off in his haste, steps in the paint, <laughs> and then they were law enforcement were able to follow the paint footsteps all the way to his house, which is basically across the street. And when they knocked on the door, he was eating his tuna fish and oatmeal. I don't I, know. I don't, I. I I think that definitely does not classify as a whodunit. No, and this is why these these guys are idiots, man. If they had half a brain, they'd have real jobs. Of course. <laughs> wow. Tuna fish and oatmeal. I, I don't get it. I don't understand how he didn't notice he was... Stepping in pain. I guess maybe he was really hungry and he was focused on the food. Or the other thing. Yeah. Drugs. <laughs> Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, that's enough jocularity for one day, I think. Jocularity? Jocularity or stupidity, one or the other. I'm not sure which one it is. It's one of the entities. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, I wanted to revisit something we talked about a while back. You remember we uh, covered the story about the 
uh, D.C. City Council uh, amending their criminal code to where they reduced all the uh, the uh, penalties for a lot of the crimes that occur in the city. So basically, yeah, I remember that. Basically, they made it okay to commit crimes. Yeah, pretty much. It, you know, it's come one and come all, come mm-hmm. commit crimes here. Uh, well, just read a story a uh, while back. Apparently, the U.S. Congress has the power to override uh, or the oversight of the D.C. City Council. Well, shortly after the D.C. City Council had uh, done their changes or voted on their changes to their code, Mm -hmm. uh, a Democratic congresswoman from Minnesota was mugged in the elevator of her apartment complex in D.C., Right. Well, then, as a result, Congress uh, enacted their power and overrode the D.C. City Council, uh, their vote to reduce the penalties. Isn't it funny how that worked? Yeah. That's, that's um, funny because it's a, I, I think it shows you just how bad of an idea it was because... It was a Democratic congresswoman. It was a Democratic D.C. city council and a Democratic chief of police who didn't want them to do it to begin with. And so that shows and then the Democrats in Congress voted to override it as well. So that just shows you how bad of an idea it was. So what the hell are these D.C. city council people smoking? I don't know. But it, it just goes to show that you're going to be easy, you're going to be more liberal on views and stuff like that until you become a victim. Right. So. I, I just don't get it. I, I, I you know, you, everywhere else in the country you're talking about crime and the increase in crime and how to fight crime, especially violent crime. And then the D.C. City Council wants to make it lenient uh, is it like you know oh if we treat you nice you'll treat us nice kind of thing or what it's kind of like the um gun-free zones yeah Have you ever seen work? those signs yeah they're always in the, the 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 places where most gun crime occurs well that's because <laughs> the bad guys know there are no guns there, there you go <laughs> I mean, so i guess the, i don't know maybe that's their thought I, I process mean, it's kind of like any concept, you know, if you go, you, you're walking down a neighborhood and this house, you know, has gun, this house doesn't. Hmm. Which house am I going to break into? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's no brainer. It's, uh, you know, I don't understand it. But anyhow, I was good to see that and read about that. Uh, I was glad to hear the Congress. Uh, progress. Yes, it's progress. Put the D.C. City Council in their place and told them to wake up, you idiots. Okay, now we're going to talk about the line of duty deaths uh, that sadly have occurred here recently. We're going to start with police officer Sean Slagansky from the McKeesport Police Department in Pennsylvania. Uh, His end of watch was February 6th of 2023. Uh, This is from the Officer Down Memorial page. Police officer Sean Slagansky was shot and killed while responding to a domestic situation at the 1300 block of Grandview Avenue in McKeesport. The subject's mother 
had called 911 reporting their son was having a PTSD episode and was being aggressive. Officer Slagansky and another officer arrived on the scene and attempted to contact the man as he walked away. The subject produced a handgun and opened fire, wounding both officers. The subject was shot in the leg by return gunfire and then fled to a nearby convenience store where he exchanged shots with the third officer before being taken into custody. Officer Slagansky was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The other officer was critically wounded and flown to a trauma center. The subject was charged with criminal homicide, aggravated assault, assaulting a law enforcement officer, and criminal attempted murder of a law enforcement officer. Officer Slagansky had served with the McKeesport Police Department for three years and previously served with the Charleroi Regional Police Department. He was survived by his fiancée and infant daughter. He had served for eight years, one month, and was 32 years of age. Next line of duty death is police officer Peter E.C. Jerving from the Milwaukee Police Department. His end of watch was February 7, 2023. He was 37 years old and had a tour of duty of four years. Police officer Peter Jerving was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a robbery suspect at 1.16 a.m. near the 2700 block of South 14th Street. Officers were looking for a suspect who had just committed a robbery at a nearby apartment building. The suspect fled on foot as officers approached him. One officer caught the subject and struggle ensued. The subject fired his handgun and it struck Officer Jerving, who was running to the scene to assist. Despite being wounded, Officer Jerving was able to return fire and killed the suspect. Officer Jerving was transported to Fraud Turt Hospital, where he succumbed to his wounds. The subject had been sentenced to probation for two hit-and-run crashes the day before. Officer Jerving was served with the Milwaukee Police Department for four years and was assigned to Police District 4. He survived by his parents, six siblings, and a longtime girlfriend. The next officer lost this year was Police Officer Charles Herring of the Pembroke Pines Police Department of Florida. His end of watch was February 9, 2023. He was 54 years of age and had served for 24 years. Police officer Charles Charlie Herring was killed in a motorcycle crash near the intersection of 184th Avenue and Sheridan Street. He was on a routine patrol when a falling piece of a tree fell and struck him. The impact caused him to fall from his motorcycle. He was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. Officer Herring was a U.S. Army veteran and had served with the Primbook Prines Police Department for 21 years. He had previously served with the Stark Police Department for three years. He is survived by his four children. Our next fallen officer is from the Fountain Police Department in Colorado. Police Officer Julian Becerra, whose end of watch was February 11th, 2023, was, had served for four and a half years. Police Officer Julian Becerra succumbed to injuries sustained nine days earlier when he fell from an overpass in Colorado Springs during a vehicle pursuit of carjacking suspects. The suspects had been pursued by multiple agencies over the course of several hours. At about 7.15 p.m., they attempted to carjack a second vehicle at the Love's Travel Plaza in Fountain and led officers on another pursuit toward Colorado Springs. The vehicle was partially disabled after stop sticks were deployed as it exited I-25 to South Academy Boulevard. The vehicle was stopped just east of Hartford Street, and all three occupants fled on foot with officers in pursuit. 
Officer Becerra was chasing one of the subjects when he fell from an overpass to the pavement approximately 40 feet below. He was transported to a local hospital where he remained until succumbing to his injuries on February 11, 2023. All three suspects were apprehended. Officer Becerra was a U.S. Air Force veteran. He had served with the Fountain Police Department for four and a half years and was assigned to the K-9 unit. He is survived by his wife and two children. Police Officer James Mulbauer is our next fallen hero. He was with the Kansas City Police Department, and his end of watch was February 15, 2023. Police Officer Jim Mulbauer and K-9 Champ were killed in a vehicle crash at 10.15 p.m. at the intersection of East Truman Road and Benton Boulevard in Kansas City. A vehicle crashed into Officer Mulbauer and K-9 Champ while in their patrol vehicle. A pedestrian was also hit. K-9 Champ and the pedestrian died at the scene. Officer Mulbauer was taken to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The driver that hit the police car was also injured and is in police custody pending investigation. Officer Mulbauer had served with the Kansas City Police Department for 20 years. He is survived by his wife and child. Thankfully, that was the last of our line of duty deaths for this episode. This is happening all too often. The sacrifice of these officers will never be forgotten, and we thank you to take a moment of silence to recognize their sacrifice. Thank you. It never gets easier hearing about those line of duty deaths, and it seems to be happening all too often now. It's it's sad. It is, and it's happened in so many different ways now. Uh, you know, was COVID was the big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's uh, we're back to officers dying through gunshots, and car accidents, and motorcycle accidents. Right. And it just it's never gets easier. No death does. Yeah. It doesn't. No. So, all right, that should do it for this week, doesn't it? Yep. All right. Well, everybody, we thank you for joining us. Once again, we want to apologize for the sound issues that we experienced during that episode. Uh, We had an unexpected change of venue uh, that led us to not be 100% prepared for our sound change. Finally, I want to remind anybody, if you'd like to contact us, have any comments, suggestions, or things you'd like to hear about, you can contact us at 1086-108-PODCAST at gmail.com. Also, feel free to visit our website at www.1086108podcast.com. And right there you can see our blog, and you can also uh, hook directly into each episode. Again, we thank everybody for joining us. This has been a 1086108 podcast.